Good morning, and welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 30th, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book on page 16, starting with the paragraph, There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. The reference number for yesterday is 2927. That's 2927. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. A sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Margaret H. to please read the 12 steps for us. Good morning. This is Margaret H. in Illinois. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. And now I'd like to ask Anne S. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. My name is Anne. I'm a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, for each group, for each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose: to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less money, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but but may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversies. 
Eleven, our public relations policy depends on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I'll pass. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topics and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 16. And we are going to begin today with the paragraph, there is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. And I would like to ask Esther to please start us out. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Everyone, my name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity, but just underneath, there is deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us, or we perish. Should I read one more paragraph? Yes, that would be great. Thank you. Most of us feel we need to look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. So in this first paragraph, um, Bill is describing a, a seeming contradiction. On the one hand, um, we, we know how to laugh, and, but yet just underneath, you know, we know how to laugh at ourselves and, 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 and joke around with each other, yet just underneath that, we're quite serious about our program because we realize that our life depends on it. So if, if we're in a program where, you know, working earnestly to save our lives, you would think we would walk around being morose or, you know, with long, serious faces. But, you see, the laughter that I hear in the room is not the laughter of, of, of scoffers. It's the laughter of... But people who've been saved, this is we're 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 joyous, we're we're laughing because we have been saved, you know, from a prison from the shackles of our compulsive overeating. And personally I have found that meetings that are dominated by recovered people will have a good amount of laughter and levity, uh, this certain type of camaraderie. It's it's the meetings where where which are dominated by people who are not recovered or people who are in disease or people who say we can never recover those meetings sometimes feel like morgues where there's a lot of sadness and a lot of, oh, this is our life and, you know, we'll trudge through it. It's, you know, I've been to meetings where it just, you, you know, someone will get up and, and, and share and, and there'll just be just joy and laughter, a lot of uh, friendliness and, you know, again, the laughter of, of people who have been saved from a deadly disease. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Is there anyone who would like to share on what was read? Please press star 1 to unmute. Hi, this is Sylvia. I'd like to share. Good morning, Sylvia. Go ahead. Hi, this is Sylvia, recovered compulsive eater in New York. And, you know, I love that passage. Um, and when I first got into the meetings, it was so important that I that we could all laugh together, and we were laughing not at each other, but we were laughing with each other. And um, and the thing that I learned through this this passage is that 
nowhere in the big book does it say that I have to be solemn and morose or, you know, that I don't have to be abject all the time. That however we get to recovery, if we can laugh our way into recovery, God bless us. And so, you know, I, I, there's a lot of that in the meetings. And then as I've gotten recovered, um, it took me the next step, which I could laugh at myself. And that's an immediate part of my 10th step often is like, ha, there I go again. And, you know, laugh and just what do I need to do to get back into alignment with God? And so that humor is such an essential part of my recovery, and it was such an essential part of the first 100 as we read. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Christy. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, this this first paragraph here that we read makes makes me laugh, you know, a vast amount of fun about, about it all. And, you know, I love, I love to laugh. I love to laugh. And when I was in active addiction, you know, I made fun of other people. You know, I, my laughter was at other people's expense to try to make myself feel better, you know, to try to make myself feel better. And that didn't work. You know, I have a very, um, I tend to have a, you know, a, you know, very sarcastic. I can have a very cutting humor, um, very cynical. And um, that came out in, in really, you know, unlovely ways when I was in active addiction. And, um, you know, when I came into recovery, I did not come in to laugh. I did not come in to laugh. I came in to have my life saved. You know, I came in extending my hand and saying, I am done. I'm not here to make fun of you people. I am here because I need help. I need help. I extended my hand and people said, grab hold. And, um, you know, my life has been saved. And today I have a lightness in my spirit. I have a lightness in my eyes and I have a lightness in my soul and my heart that, um, that shines through because of my recovery. And today I have, you know, I... You know, I love to laugh. I, you know, I certainly have that self-effacing humor that many of us have. You know, I can call people and say, let me share how, how completely crazy my thinking can be sometimes. And we laugh about it. Or we'll talk about, you know, you know some of the things we did in active addiction. And today they're funny because there's no pain there because I'm not doing it. You know, I, I say those things to keep me green and to remember who... I am and what I'm up against. Um, and today I'm just, you know, I'm just so grateful. I, uh, you know, I'm grateful that I have people I can call and talk to and say, what would you have done if you were in active addiction? You know, what would you have done in that situation if you were eating? Let's talk about that. Let's remember what we were like. Let's talk about that. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful I have that lightness today and that I have that, you know, that spirit, that utopia that I found in the room, certainly, and with my fellows, and that it, and then it, it comes from the inside of me today, it emanates from within me that, you know, I have something that I can be light about and that I can laugh about, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Maggie. Come on, I hear Maggie. Can we go with Maggie first? Thank you so much. Um, what struck out to me this time was the ever-widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And I usually think of that associated with holidays, but it's so true that it's so associated with the fellowship of good, wholesome humor that comes from recovery and getting rid of the resentments and fears and not having that sarcastic humor but a wholesome humor that's healing and can bring um, happiness and joy to many. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Maggie. And who else? Who is next? This is Paula Mancia. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you so much. Starts with, there is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. Now, isn't that a strange way to describe 
Alcoholics Anonymous, a vast amount of fun about it all. Then we continue on to 132. We come compare and we look at, but we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life, and that's it. We've been given back life. Clearly, if this is what it's saying here, and then this part, and I love this, faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us. Or we perish, we know that. But then it goes on, most of us feel we need look no further for utopia because we found it. We found what we've been seeking and looking for all our lives. And finally, happy, joyous, and free. Oh, my. But then I would like to say each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen doesn't add multiplies, multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Imagine living that daily. And that's what we get to do in recovery. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was said? This is Sharon. I, I hear a line up there, but I heard Sharon first. We'll start with Sharon. Okay. Good morning, Janice, and good morning, Vision for You. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Just a couple of things that I'd like to point out. I just that laughter. Uh, I I see that laughter. Um, we're laughing at our humanity. We're laughing at our our humanness. And for me, when I was in the one of the the difficult things was for me. Is, was accepting life on life's terms. And when we laugh, we, we just see ourselves as human. We don't have to be superhuman. Um, we see that our humanity, we see that humans are not perfect. And some of the things that we did are just totally ridiculous, so ridiculous that it's funny. And so I think it is so, so good that we can laugh at ourselves, laugh at our humanity, um, and then we can go on to work um, in a balanced way, um, uh, not trying to be perfect, not um, trying to take life as we would like to have life be, but accepting life on life's terms. The other thing that I'd like to that I that I find um, interesting about these two paragraphs is the second paragraph. Each day, my friends, simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. It's that small thing, Eddie reaching out to Bill, going to his house at one point. And I think about each of us on this line as we as we recover and reach out to the next person. We don't know where that's going to go. And it, there, there was a time when I couldn't see my connectedness with other people. And here we see how connected we are one with another. Uh, we try to isolate ourselves and go in, uh, when we're in our cups, so to speak, when we're in our food. We, we isolate. We want to get off to ourselves. We don't see how connected, how, how needed we are. Even the small things, the seemingly small things that we do can ultimately have a great impact. So each of us are significant. We're valuable and valued and needed because of the potential that we have. We don't know when we reach out to that next person, when we pick up the phone and call a fellow uh, the impact that that potentially will have on them, on their family, on the next person that that person is going to help. So that ever-widening circle of peace on earth, it begins with us. It begins with our commitment to recovery, first staying out of the food, and secondly with working on recovering our humanity, recovering our our um, uh, who we are, and the value that we have to offer when we are free of addiction, free of that addiction. 
And so that knowledge of who we are and the value that we have and the significance that we have. So when we when we think about uh, potential potentially uh, you know taking that first sight, realizing that um, the impact that that could have not only on ourselves but on the people that we would have influence with on the on the peace on earth, so to speak. So it's so valuable for us to keep our abstinence, to maintain that abstinence because of the good we would do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This Victoria. is Victoria. I'm sorry, would you repeat, please? I I hear two people. Victoria. Good morning, Victoria. Go ahead. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Victoria, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Minneapolis. The passage that really speaks to me this morning is the one on faith, that faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. When I read that the first time, it confused me. How, how could faith keep me from perishing? And when I reflected on the steps, I realized that faith comes directly after my admission of absolute powerlessness over the food. The second step is that came to believe I could be restored to sanity. I could be relieved of that mental obsession that kept me going back, that never let me stay stopped. And in working through the steps, unless I kept that God consciousness with me, unless every moment of every day I believed I was being carried by grace, that I could be changed, that I could be given a psychic change I could never give myself, it was pointless to continue. There would be nothing that changed. I couldn't face the courage that those steps required without falling back onto the second step, which is I came to believe I was not alone, that I would be carried, that the impossible would become possible. And through that, I experienced a joy in living for the first time, the freedom that working through those steps created in my life. But without faith and without keeping that faith with me every moment, I am not alone. A power greater than myself could and would. I don't have the courage or the strength to take all of the actions every day that keep me alive and keep me living in the light, I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. Good morning, Kim. Go ahead. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. There's a vast amount of fun. You know, I've heard the saying that in AA, they take the disease seriously and themselves lightly. But in OA, we take ourselves seriously and the disease lightly. And that's a shame, you know, because that's why they have this bad spot. They know that this is a serious disease they can die from. But in recovery, they're going to find joy. They're going to find joy. And why is that? You know, because we need to join with the solution and not the problem. You know, in the, in the um, story... Acceptance is the answer. It says, when I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. So that's, that's why we have so much fun. We are joining in this wonderful solution. You know, I didn't come into OA to be abstinent and miserable. You know, I came in to be happy, joyous, and free. You know, and where are those words in the Facebook? It's on page 133. 
So how do I get to page 133, Happy, Joyous, and Free? By applying pages 1 through 132. You know, it's like a you know, math textbook. I don't decide today. I'm going to do calculus on page, you know, on chapter 14. I get the calculus by doing all the chapters up before calculus. So that's where these guys are. They have done the work, and there's a vast amount of fun about it all. And when it says faith has to work 24 hours a day and in and through us or we perish. You know, this, I don't have the option of coming up and waking up early and li- listening to this wonderful meeting from 7 to 8 and then going out into the world and acting like a tornado and knocking everybody out. I have to live this program. These principles have to be my guiding forces in life. You know, I like that old army commercial. You know, we do more before 9 a.m. than anyone else does in a day. I have more energy. I have more efficiency. I have more ability to participate in life now because of this program than I ever did in my disease. So that's why it's so fun. That is why it is absolutely, today, I am happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Mrs. Leah. Good morning, Ms. Leah. Go ahead. Hey, hey, Janice. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity, but just underneath there is deadly earnestness. Um, Indeed, that is so true. You know, I used to be the contact um, for my old home group in, in Minneapolis, and when people would call and ask where in the church should, you know, which room uh, should they go to, I would always say follow the laughter. Follow the laughter. You know, because uh, that was true. You know, that room had laughter. That room had laughter. And I, and I certainly love to laugh. You know, I love that energy. But um, I'll also remind myself and people like me, that it wasn't the laughter that brought me into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. It was the tears. It was the fear. It was the loneliness and the desperation. You know, that that pain was the motivator to effectuate change in me. It was that pain. But the big book speaks about laughter. It says, uh, you know, outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over a seemingly tragic experience out of the past. But why shouldn't we laugh, the big book says. Why shouldn't we laugh? We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. And that is so true. You know, those of us that were in the shackles of compulsive overeating, I'll speak for myself, I don't know about your disease, but I certainly know about mine. You know, uh, people say that the greatest loss in life is death. Well, perhaps the greatest loss in life is, uh, you know, merely existing. You know, feeling like you're dead inside while you're still alive. You know, that, that was pain. That was pain. Uh, and, and to be released from those shackles, to be freed from that ball and chain, and to be able to try uh, in the most humble way to live usefully today and to walk humbly under the grace of God, that is an ambition that we pursue. You know, it goes on to say here, each day my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. And, of course, they're referring to Ebby speaking to Bill. And that's where that identification process is so important because Bill knew Ebby, and Bill knew how Ebby drank, and he knew that if Ebby was sitting across that kitchen table and Ebby was sober, that some power greater than Ebby had to be working in Ebby's life. And that's what those of us who have recovered have to offer the newcomers today. That's why we are with great excitement here on the line. Because when we talk to the newcomers, we are living proof, not of any personal success or personal glorification. That's not what this is about. This is about that some power greater than human power is working in our lives. That some power greater than human power has restored my sanity. And whether the newcomer likes that solution or not is beside the point. Myself and others included are living proof of what this program of recovery has to offer. 
of what this program has to offer. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Well, this is Janice, and I'd, I'd like to share a bit about this as well. You know, I suppose some would be shocked, shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. Because why? Because why would they be shocked? Because they wouldn't imagine the happiness and the fun that we found coming out of such a place of misery and desperation that we would get to this place where we can laugh, where we can laugh and enjoy life. You know, but I find it very interesting that here, this is the end of Bill's story, the end of Bill's story. And he's been sharing with us all along some of the horrific things that he had to experience in the disease of alcoholism. And that what he found, what he found was that faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. How important that sentence is to me today. And he's giving us a little hint of what is to come as well. We, we, he's talking a lot about, he shifted from the I into the we here at the end. We have it with us right here and now. We have a new life. We have been rocketed into the fourth dimension. You know, we have life, an ability to live life on life's terms. A deadly earnestness underneath with, with what we know to be true. And the truth is that I have been transformed. That something happened to me and that I am now living a spiritual life and that that is a vast amount of fun in that spiritual life. You know, we have the answer. We have the solution now. And each day, one day at a time, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself. It multiplies itself, you know, so that we can continue offering this solution to others, that we know from our own ability to be in the experience of having freedom that that freedom can be available for others as well. And that widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men is something that we have at our disposal now. You know, we're living in the world of the spirit. We, we are being offered a new life and we can extend that same help to others. You know, what a great blessing. And thank you, Bill W., for sharing this all with us. Is there anyone else who would like to comment on what was read? All right, then. We are going to move into Chapter 2, There is a Solution, page 17 in the big book. Deb W., would you start us out? My pleasure. Good morning, A Vision for you. <clears throat> My name is Deb W., I recovered compulsive overeater from Michigan. Chapter 2, There is a Solution. We of Alcoholics Anonymous know thousands of men and women who were once just as hopeless as Bill. Nearly all have recovered. They have solved the drink problem. Um, I'm just going to stop right there because this this is just so awesome. Um, Nearly all have recovered. What does that mean? It's a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And how did that happen? It was getting in touch with the God of your understanding and asking for help, coming to that realization that I was powerless over food, that my life was unmanageable, that I needed, I was desperate for God to meet me at that point in my life and help take care of that problem. Um, And the thing that's so cool about it is if I just follow what I'm given here in the big book, I can have this too. It's it's for, for anybody who's willing, who's honest, who's humble enough to ask God to help. And um, I love what it says here. They have solved the drink problem. The obsession has been removed. It's gone. <laughs> you, you are finally at this neutral point in your life where uh, you recoil as if from a hot flame. That's exactly what, what transpires. And um, I'll just stop there and pass with that. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? This is Christy. 
Go ahead, Christy. Thank you, Janice. Hi, I'm Christine. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, what I love about this, what I absolutely love about this paragraph in there is a solution is, you know, it reminds me of, you know, the type of work I do um, for a living. And, you know, frequently what I'll do with a group of people is, you know, there's a problem and we get together and we try to figure out a solution. And, and frequently what will happen is people will try to jump in and figure out the solution before understanding what the problem is. You know, and you can't do that. You know, problem solving skills 101 says, first of all, you need to understand the problem. You need to understand the problem. Let's figure out what the problem is. Let's get, do some root cause analysis and try to figure out what the problem is. And what's, what's beautiful about the big book is that we've been presented with the nature of our problem. You know, we've had a doctor come in and give, give his opinion on what our problem is, and then we've had, you know, a member, a co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous talk about his problem, talk about his problem, and talk about how he solved his problem. So we've, we've been talking about what the problem is. What is the problem? What do I suffer from? I suffer from a two-fold illness. You know, it's not just the eating, you know, the, the physical part of the problem. Certainly I suffer from allergy of the body, which means that I cannot ingest, you know, an allergy being described as or defined as um, uh, an abnormal reaction to. An abnormal reaction to. What do I have an abnormal reaction to in my particular case? Sugar, fat, flour, volume, you know, certainly some patterns of eating. Um, that's my allergy. That's the physical component of my problem. What is the mental, the other problem, the greater aspect of my disease is the mental obsession, the mental obsession that I cannot stop thinking about food. I ingest that food into my body and I want more. I want more. And understanding the nature of my problem, having a full understanding, oh, that makes sense. You know, I spent years, I spent decades, I spent decades trying to figure it out. You know, if I could just learn how to eat. I knew how to eat. I had that one down to a science. I even knew how to eat healthy. I knew healthy foods from unhealthy foods. I knew empty calories from, you know, um, you know, the types of foods that I should get six or seven of a day. You know, I knew that. I've been exposed to that for years, even though it changed a little bit over the decades that I was in active addiction. I knew, I knew how to eat healthy. I knew that um, ingesting more calories than I expended energy for would cause a problem with my weight. I knew all of that. That did not help me. That didn't help me. But for years, you know, I subscribed to magazines. I, you know, spent a lot of time in my head. I watched television shows. I, you know, I went to see, you know, professionals. I, I sought all kinds of help trying to figure out how to solve the problem without understanding the nature, the true nature of my problem, the two-fold illness that I suffered from. It's been outlined for us beautifully beautifully so that I can completely understand what I'm up against. What am I up against? And now I'm being presented with a solution. And not only that, but it's a solution that, that says to me, you know, people who were as hopeless as you, Christy, people who were as hopeless as you have recovered. That gives me hope. That gave me hope when I walked into my first meeting and I could see the lightness in other people's eyes. I knew they had something. I knew they had something and I wanted it. And I wanted it and I was willing to do anything for it. You know, I, I didn't think I could do it, but I, I wanted it. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and I, I wanted out. I wanted out of the hole I had dug. I was done. I was done. I was exhausted. I was exhausted from trying to figure it out on my own. Help me. Help me. I want what you have. Help me. Help me. Save my life. Save my life. And that's exactly what happened for me. And if it can happen for someone like me, if it can happen for someone like me, it's available, it's available to all of us. It can happen for anybody. It can happen for anybody. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. 
There, chapter two, there is a solution. And what solution, a definition for solution is a way of resolving difficulty or answer to a puzzle. You know, this, certainly this disease of ours is definitely a huge puzzle. And this first paragraph here, I have all in green, which means hope for me. And the very first word I have circled, we. We of Alcoholics Anonymous. And who are these? Who is we? Those first 100 recovered alcoholics. Now, we're not, now it's not I, 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 like we heard in Bill's story. It's we. And it's 100 recovered alcoholics. You know, it's easy to argue with just one person. But here's 100 of them united and saying, we have something. We have a solution. We have an answer to this puzzle. And nearly all have recovered. Recovered. Recovered from what? Recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I know when I walked into the rooms, I was very hopeless and depressed and at my wit's end. And here they have said, we have a solution and there is a solution. And this is all with part of step two. And the principle of step two is hope. So I see a lot of hope here, you know. And step two is what? Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, and that's the bottom line here. Finding that higher power. And they're going to show us how. And they're saying, we have a solution. An answer to this puzzle. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on what was read? It's Leah. Go ahead, Miss Leah. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. Thank you. Nearly all have recovered. They have solved the drink problem. I'm I'm so grateful that Deb uh, stopped at that right after these couple of lines here because it's so important to emphasize. You know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. There is a specific objective, a specific aim, a specific goal that the big book has, and that is to be recovered. You know, it's not about some elitism or being higher, you know, than thou. Not that at all. What, what these pages are saying, what this page is clearly saying, is that there is a place called recovered, where the obsession of the mind the greater aspect of our disease has been driven out. It's been expelled, you know, through these 12 steps, which are spiritual in nature, and if they're practiced as a way of life, will expel the obsession to compulsively overeat and enable us to live happily and usefully whole. And that's exactly what happened for these men and women who pen these pages, nearly all have recovered. They have solved the drink problem. Solved the drink problem. That means they are ex-problem drinkers, as the big book says. The problem has been solved. You know, if, if you flip to page 45, uh, the big book states, you know, the big book's main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. That's exactly what they're talking about here. They don't say that a higher power will be sort of a helper or a useful assistant. They don't say that this higher power of yours will help you solve your problem or enable you to solve it. They say that the power, this higher power, will solve your problem. Your problem will be solved. It's called recovered, recovered. Recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So important to understand this. This is not like holding your breath while you try to stay abstinent every day. This is the problem's been removed. It's been lifted out of us. We don't, <laughs> the obsession of the mind has been expelled. Important to understand what the aim is here, what the goal, what the possibility is. You have to know what you're going for. You have to know what's, what the hope is here. The hope is not just a white-knuckled abstinence here. That's physical. What the possibility is here is to have a spiritual journey in which there is a transformation, a personality change, where you're taken from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence, and that greater aspect of your 
disease, the obsession of the mind is driven out. It's expelled. Your problem has been solved. Through your own personal success? No, not at all. Through any personal glorification? Absolutely not. It is what God can and will do if you invite him into your life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Thanks, Janice. You know, I can't even get past the name of the chapter. You know, there is a solution. You know, I used to live in a self-help section of bookstores, you know, because I had a lot of problems. You know, I needed this book to deal with my mother, this book to deal with dating, this book to deal with work, this book to deal with friends. I had a lot of problems. How could there be a solution? Well, the fact is there always was a solution for me. Maybe one day it was a Dorito and one day it was a candy bar, but my solution was food. It didn't matter what the problem was. Food was going to fix it. So how could it be so far-fetched? that there is a solution for all my problems. You know, that's why I love this. It's, there is a solution. And what is a solution? Solution solves something. It's not a temporary fix. It's not a Band-Aid. It's not putting duct tape on something and hoping it doesn't leak anymore. You know, it is a solution to the problem. You know, and, and I think Chrissy did such a great job of defining that problem. You know, if we don't have the proper tool to fix something, then, then it doesn't matter. I, I think of like... You know, tools. You know, I can have a Phillips screw and I can have a flathead screwdriver and they're both great tools, but they're not going to fix each other. There's no way I can screw in that screw with a Phillips head by using a flathead screwdriver. And that's what I did. I would take these self-help books and I would try to apply all these quote-unquote solutions when I didn't even know what my problem was. So that's why I love There is a solution. And what we're going to see here is a lot of words in past tense recovered, solved, because the solution is a permanent fix. As long as we, we apply these principles, we will be recovered. This is not a Band-Aid. You know, it, it says later in the big book, putting aside the drink problem, why are we having such a heavy going of life? You know, that is what we are trying to, to, to solve. You know, we're finding out that our the body obsession of the mind is what we had, which would made life so difficult. And this solution is going to help us so that we no longer, you know, the promise of this program is not that we're not going to have to eat, but we're not going to want to eat. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Paula. May I share? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you, Janice. I want to zero right in on that word, recovered. We read that word, but today we live that word. You know, it was always a dream, now a reality. You know, as we look at that word, what does it mean? To get back, to get back, to regain, to grow well. And then it also says, act of recovering, restoration from sickness. We've been restored. Wow, what a word to read, but what a wonderful word to live. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. Well, this is Janice. I'd just like to share a little bit. There's something in this short but very powerful paragraph that just so much gives me hope is that not only are we into this chapter, there is a solution, but it follows directly Bill's story. Bill's story. And they start out by saying, we of Alcoholics Anonymous know thousands of men and women who are just as hopeless as Bill. Now, Bill was pretty hopeless. You know, Bill, Bill showed us in his story so honestly and so clearly his powerlessness over alcohol, his life that was so unmanageable, the depths of the darkness and the despair that this disease took him to. And they are giving us a whole lot of hope right 
from the get-go, saying we know thousands of men and women who were once just as hopeless as Bill, just as hopeless as Bill, and nearly all have recovered. Nearly all have recovered. Well, wouldn't that be a teaser? (laughs) Wouldn't you want to read on further and know what that solution is going to be? You know, this paragraph, starting us out, shows us that they have solved the drink problem. They have solved the drink problem. What good news that was for me. What good news that was for me. Because as, as it had been laid out, what the disease was, this allergy of my body, this obsession of my mind, and my powerlessness over it. You know, they hit me upside the head with the doctor's opinion and then went on to tell me Bill's story. And I could identify. I could see that I had been as seriously affected by my compulsive overeating as Bill W. had been by his alcoholism. There was no difference. There was no difference. And it was just as fatal a disease for me as Bill's alcoholism had been for him. It had almost killed him. And this disease of compulsive overeating also had me by the throat. And I don't know about you, but I was so tired. I was so tired. I'd always been either running away from that first bite or running towards that first bite. There was never any peace. And I was so tired of being in that quicksand, so tired of the struggle. And then I found that there was this book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And in this book, they had found a solution and were willing to share it with me. Thousands of men and women who had been just as hopeless as Bill. And something had happened to them. And something could happen to me as a result. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share? Press star one to unmute. All right, thank you. Thank you for everyone today who has shared. Thank you for Margaret and Anne for reading the Steps and Traditions and for my readers, Esther, Deb W., and and Katie. And um, so we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Katie, would you please read that for us? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you so much, Katie.